an Ironic Media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together. Because as long as I know she's here, her energy is here with me and it's also in my Merkaba. And all I got to do to tap into her is go in meditation. The Merkaba is where I went when I died each time I died. And that last near-death experience was I was still having stomach problems with the gluten, not gluten, gluten, not gluten swelling and trying to find the right protocol to treat it because the doctors still, they don't know anything. The nutritionist didn't know anything. So I had to be my own doctor, my own nutritionist, reading my own blood numbers and match. And I didn't know what I was reading, but I would match one to the other and then look it up and say, oh, okay, what, what foods do I need to eat to do that? What vitamins can I take? What herbs can heal this? Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Lois Hampson, and we are gonna be, first of all, I know this is gonna be a trip. She is awesome, she's an amazing person. One of the things I love about Lois is that she comes as she is. She just brings the energy. She doesn't apologize for anything, really. And she has such a childlike spirit around transformation, healing, just tells it like it is, which is something that I really appreciate. And uh, she has been a mental health counselor as a marriage and family therapist for 40 years. And she hit a wall in 2008 where she was diagnosed with multiple, would you say diseases? Yeah. A lot of them, most of them were autoimmune. Yeah. (laughs) Multiple autoimmune diseases and has since healed them. So she has lots to share. She has had several near death experiences. And as she says, actually, I actually died. I went over there and came back, not near it was, it actually happened. She is going to be just so much fun to talk to today. So thank you for being here, Lois. Oh, and by the way, I met her on Wisdom App. So that's how we connected. I've talked a couple of times with her on Wisdom App. I've listened to some of her talks. She is an amazing person and certainly going to share a lot with us. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Amy. I'm I'm excited about this because like I said, I'm not used to being in front of the camera. (laughs) And now you get to see the faces I'm making when I'm on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think I had a good understanding of that. I'm pretty intuitive (laughs) listening to you. One of the things that I love about you, like I said, is that you come as you are, you just bring it, you project out who you really are. And you, like I said, you don't apologize for it. So how did you get there? Cause I know it was not an easy journey for you. You went through a lot of pain and discomfort and you've been, you know, counseling people for 40 years. What did that transformation look like? Like, I, I know that it has been quite a journey for you. I grew up in South central Los Angeles. So imagine that. Okay. That's okay, first. Got it. So you get that environment. And my dad was a professional musician. My mother was the 
the, the woman with everything, the woman everything type of thing. And it was six of us. And there was a lot of abuse in the home and neglect, more neglect than, than abuse. But then there was abuse where I've been sexually molested and raped and all that kind of crap through family members. And then later on, and that, which led me to my first near-death experience where my mother and father were arguing about me because he found something when he was working that was a nice necklace and my birthday was the eighth and her was, was the ninth. And when he showed it to her, he, that he was going to give it to me, it caused a big rift between them and he gave it to me anyway and I wanted to die. So that brought me to that first near-death experience when I was 17. I thought it was a trip. I thought I was imagining it. I didn't realize, I, but when I, I'm gonna say this, I was work, at work and I didn't take anything. I did not take anything. I willed myself to die. I willed myself to die. And I didn't understand how a person can do that, but I willed myself to die. I didn't take not a damn thing. That, that's what tripped me out. But I went to work and I was working as, as a waitress and all of a sudden, the, the, the room started, it started like it was escaping me, like I was uh, dissociating, like I did when I would get abused, right. like I was dissociating. But this time, all, I went to take the dishes to the back, and all the dishes just dropped out of my hand, and I hit the floor. Oh, and wow. when I went out, I noticed everything went black, and I started going through this tunnel leading to the light. And it was like, I was going really, really fast or whatever. But before I entered into the light, I was shown <laughs> what, my, what my life was, what was going to be said about me. And that was like Scrooge. It was like Scrooge, you know what I mean? Past, present, future. Right, right, okay? right. It, okay. It was like a Scrooge situation because that's why I was like, people who write them, that's metaphysical. But that was, it was like a Scrooge situation. Show me what, what, what it would have been like if I left and all that other kind of stuff. And what, why I was needed. And when I saw why I was needed, I was like, I don't, I don't want to stay. I saw people I knew and had helped my auntie cross over and everything before could hold her hand while she died. I was a weird kid, but you know, I did. <laughs> I was a weird kid. I'm serious, but I was a weird kid. And I would help, I mean, I would help people die. I don't know. So don't ask me. My sister said I should be called uh, a death facilitator. Or oh, yeah, something death because, doula, they sometimes call them. Uh, okay. But yeah, because the people come to me before they die, at least a week, a week or two weeks before the longest it was is two weeks. Before they die, we had this conversation where they brought all this stuff and they get this healing and it's beautiful. And then I get a call. And then as I grew recently into where I am now, now I can go into my meditation when if somebody is sick and they get the opportunity to get healed, to know they are healed, or they can go ahead into that gentle good night. And mm -hmm. some people choose to stay and some people choose to go. And that was done through meditation. So that's some stuff I learned throughout my process. But yeah, but the first near-death experience was a tunnel experience and the, and the show, the, the life review and all that kind of stuff. I think that's what you guys call it. Yeah. I didn't call it. I, I, I said it was a Scrooge moment, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the future, okay? Like I said, and then I came back and I was stronger than ever. And, and that's when I began counseling at 17. I left the job at that restaurant because they were cheating me out of my money <laughs> because they were telling me I had to split my money with everybody and this is how I was when I was a kid and I I got tips okay and I would make 
30, 40, 50 dollars a night in tips where everybody else makes five or six dollars. And they were telling me I had to split my tips with everybody and I was working my ass off and I wasn't doing it. So I left that job and I got a job because I saw what I was supposed to do because Mm. I wanted to be a a psychologist, a doctor. I want to be Dr. Lewis when I was nine years old. (laughs) So to help people to not feel the pain I felt and the suffering I felt and not have somebody that they can come and talk to and feel better. Right. So that was, that was the beginning of my counseling was at seven saying at nine saying, this is exactly what I want to do. And then 17 beginning to do it. Right. So when you said, when you saw the past, present, future, and you had that Scrooge moment and they told you what you were supposed to do on Mm -hmm. earth. And by mm-hmm. they, I mean, would you, who would you ca- characterize that as? Like, was it God? Was it angels? Was uh, it your spirit guides? Was it just a knowingness? It, it was, okay, first I saw it was just all light and it was just beautiful. But I could see all people from all different races standing within that light. But the voice, the vo- it was like, it was like a knowingness. And I don't know whether it was a voice or whatever, but I knew it was showing me and it was telling me what it was showing me, but I don't know who it was I thought it, I figured it was God or Jesus okay because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know and when I came out of that I had a different outlook and I was I was dog determined on being a counselor therapist doctor whatever I just knew I had to do what I had to do because I saw all the people who I'd affected positively from the time I was born okay to that particular time and then I saw all the people that I was affecting currently at, at high school because I was an overachiever in everything and doing everything and with everybody I never picked one particular group to hang out with I was with everybody I was with the stoners I was with the jocks I was with the, the cheerleaders I was with everybody because one I didn't need anybody to know my secrets that's the one first part <laughs> can nobody get close enough with nobody because I found that if Secrets got told, I got punished. So therefore, it was like, uh, you're not going to get close enough to me to know enough about me. But if you had taken, it was like, it's like spinning your personality around. (laughs) Okay. So everybody knew a different part. Right. 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 I knew the whole thing, but everybody knew a different part. And it made me very fluid. Mm-hmm. which made it easy. Like I said, within this field, it's made it easy for me to work with any kind of client and from any walk of life, from, from infant to, to geriatric, from prison to probation and parole, you know, I, and to chronically mentally ill and to, in the hospitals. I've worked with every population because I was able to be fluid. And I can see all that in retrospect that yeah. I was being trained to come to this point in which I am here right now. Yeah, I I definitely can see that about you. Very welcoming, very open, very fluid with who you speak with and how you speak to them. So after you decided to pursue marriage and family counseling, which by the way, I was this close to becoming a marriage and family therapist at Syracuse University. I missed the deadline by one day to apply. And uh, I do trust that everything happens for a reason. I wasn't probably supposed to, I know I wasn't supposed to do it, but it was very cool. I thought it was a great option for me, Mm -hmm. but anyway, so you started doing that and then you, you were doing that for 40 years, correct? Okay. From the high school place after my bachelor's degree, I was a counselor, a substance abuse counselor. I stayed in that field, supervisor, program director. I was in there up until 30 something when my daughter said, Mom, I want to go to Spelman. Mom, I want to go to Gramlin. Mom, I, you know, and I was like, uh, I was a single parent and I had three girls. Each one of them wanted to go to a private college. So I was like, okay, 
they had already come to me and said, promise me, mom, we'll give up this, this, and this if you just work one job, because we'd rather have you with us. And I had to honor that. So I went back to school later. I was told I wasn't going to make it and all that kind of shit because I was older and I'd had kids and this and that and the other. But shit, I got 3.98 grade point average. And then during that time, my mama died, my my favorite auntie died, a cousin died, and I got raped oh, during, graduate, during the graduate school oh, period. Wow. So God is good. I'm going to say that. Just God is good. God is good. Spirit, God, whatever you want to call him, he's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Okay. Because he sustained me and I was still able to function and work and raise my kids. And you've talked to, I mean, I think you've talked to Sharente before. That's my daughter. I don't know if you talked to my sister. She's got Felicia K, but I've been able to inspire and help everybody, basically in my family, because they just watching me. I ain't telling everybody what to do. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right. You lead by example. Yeah. I do police the words. Now I do police the words because my daughter said, mom, why you got to be the word police? I said, I'll police your words until you become a sheriff. Because the county sheriff has more jurisdiction than the police, you know, so, (laughs) you know, so because I understand how my words hug me out to dry and how powerful the energy of words is, even when you're in playing, when you're in jest, when you're thinking that, oh, this is just joking or you're just trying to make a point by using these negative energy words. Yeah, words really do have a lot of power and they certainly program us and can change our energy and our focus for sure. That's that's funny that they call you the word police or you call yourself the word police. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. My daughter called the word, my daughter who passed away last year called me the word police. Mom, why you gotta be such a word police? Oh, I was like, well, I like that. <laughs> and then um, it's almost very automatic. Came out, I'll be the police to you, be the sheriff. Right. Okay, so. I like that. When you were working with, you said substance abuse clients, right? How did you handle that? Like with raising three daughters and things like that? Well, um, because my father was a musician and my mom and them, okay, I'm gonna say my mom and them, (laughs) they had parties all the time. There was always drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. But I had the kind of mom that actually, she actually gave you the drug and alcohol education. I mean, seriously, she put she made a poster board <laughs> and put all the different things on the poster board and said, this is what this does. This is what that does. That's, that's how the witch gave me that idea. And then after she told us all that, they both ended up with the crack ep- epidemic cracked out or whatever you want to call it. In the, in the 80s? Are you talking about in the yes. 80s? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's really tough. After you were doing the drug and alcohol counseling and you got your degree to become a marriage and family therapist, mm-hmm. how did you go from that to being sick? While in training, well, even before that, there were three different times in my life where somebody hired me to come in and develop a program. And I get there, the program wasn't there. And then as an incentive to keep me there, since they already lied, <laughs> they, uh, they would say, but if you get this program up and you get and you get it to pass and we get licensed, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars. And then I'd get the program done and I'd do whatever and X amount of dollars wouldn't come and I would leave. And ha- that happened twice before the final time when I was being called on to do stuff that, <laughs> okay, put it like this. I was working as a program director at a group home on a, on a campus where there were several homes and I was the dual diagnosis, a cottage, because I had such a strong background in substance abuse and dealing with adults who were survived childhood sexual abuse. That's where I was in that type of environment. 
And I built the program. And as I was building the program, they just started taking advantage of me. And I loved what I was doing. And I loved the kids. And I just, just loved my work. I really loved my work. But the establishment, the administration. And so when I was getting, preparing to get my program that I started from scratch there, they, they hired me and they said it was a program. I got there. There was not even a piece of paper. Wow. Okay, it was a vacant office. Now I left everything that way it stands. The program is still 83% successful because I encompassed the whole person in the mm. treatment. And I, I stayed long enough to get everything done but the fire clearance. And I asked and I hired a friend to come behind me and keep my and she knew what I was doing because I'd been pulling her in little by little when I was on my exit. But it was a, this one incident where they were going to have a group of social workers coming over from Japan. And they needed training to how to house kids who were in group homes and and drug and alcohol and how to separate them and all that kind of stuff. They told me that that was my job. And I said, that was my job. So they put me to the administration and says, she then says, and other duties as needed. Okay. And so I went ahead and I spent, spent three or four weeks putting together a program. The social workers came, was 28, 28 of them. And they sat there in the training and why I spoke and they translated and I brought in a couple of my friends to help me for this eight hours. And when it was over, they handed me an envelope and it wasn't sealed. And it was a check for over $10,000. I didn't even get a thank you, nothing. So I, I, I'm gonna say I accosted the director on the driveway I said, I got to go on the pig with you. I said, you haven't said anything about that training that I spent all my time at home, whatever. And you got to check for, oh, oh, I thank you. I, no, you did not. I said, everybody else came by here and thanked me and told me what a wonderful job because people came and just sat in because they knew I was teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they came and sat in. So everybody says something. And then when they gave me access to try to get the fire clearance, I happened upon the salaries of the people working and my heart was broken. Hmm. My heart was broken. I saw the, the inequity. Oh my Jesus. It was really bad. It was really bad where it was like, where a black side D license and a white MSW license, the black one got 15,000 less than the white one. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Then me, with all of my years of experience and blah, 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 I get paid $8,000 less than a new MFT just out of school, just finishing training. Okay. And then my friend, African friend, okay, she's African and she was having visa issues. She got 3000 less than me and we graduated at the same time. It was like that part. It was like, it was, that was the beginning of my crumble. That was like three strikes. Yeah. I was out. I was out. Mm-hmm. I was out. And my body just started shutting down. I would be having meetings and I'd fall asleep in the meeting, given the meeting. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would do my part and I'd be sitting there and people start, no, I'm like, not numb. And people nudge me. <laughs> it was, it was like, I'm sitting there and like, it was funny. Okay. It was very, very, very funny. But they would nudge me like, Lois, wake up. And then finally my director said, Lois, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. And I went to the doctor and that was, that was the first the first time I went to the doctor in a long time since I'd had my daughter, um, who was still a little girl, right? Still in elementary school. 
but that was the first time I went to the doctor in a long time. And all of a sudden they tell me, okay, iron of 5.3, okay? That's like transfusion level almost, okay? Iron of 5.3, your blood pressure is out of whack. You have diabetes, you have this, and you have purple tunnel. I have none of that. So it was like a simultaneous shutdown on everything. At that point, I had got up to, because I didn't know that I had food allergies, mm. I got up to 298 pounds. Oh, wow. And I didn't know how. All I knew is I could, I figured like I could look at food and I would gain weight. That's mm-hmm. how I felt because I was hardly even eating. Yeah, you know? I hear you. And then I know when, what that's like. And then when I was eating, I was eating whatever my stomach could tolerate because I had GERD and, oh my gosh, I, I don't even have, remember the list, but I remember my daughter, we writing it down for me in order for me to find out to diagnose what was wrong with me. Okay. And all of it fell under the umbrella of celiac disease. Every 40 wow. something thing. It was only three things that was on that list that I didn't have. And my daughter had one of my cousin had another one. And I was like, this is bullshit. And I was always eating the way they told me to eat, doing what they told me to do, how handling things the way they told me to handle it. Then I had to ask myself, who the fuck are they? <laughs> who the fuck are they? Yeah. You know, I'm like, shit, they telling me this. And then as I'm going from doctor to doctor, every time I go, there's a new diagnosis. And this went on for three years. Every time I went to the doctor, there was a new diagnosis. So I went from going to the doctor every six months to every three months to every month, to every two, every every three weeks, every two weeks, every week, with a bunch of hospitalizations in between. And they couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. Finally, when my daughter got sick, I didn't know what was happening with her either because she had a, dis- she had a disease called hydrogenitis superativa. And we had to diagnose it because at that time I was so sick, I couldn't read, I couldn't write. I couldn't hardly even talk. Okay, I was so aphasic, it was ridiculous. I couldn't, and my reaction time, I could think, I was thinking fast, but everything else was in slow freaking motion. And they told me at that point, this was in, I think it was in 2009, the doctor said, after I told her what I found to be the problem with me and found that she didn't do continuity of care, I probably was fired as a patient and sent home to die. Oh my God. I got a letter. It's it's somewhere. I I didn't move twice since then, but I have a letter that says, I'm sorry, we can no longer serve you. We've done all this and given you all that. And here are some pain management specialists. Good luck. Okay. And I was like, good luck. What is this? And I was seeing neurologist, psychologist, immunologist, <laughs> gastroenterologist. I had a list of uh, doctors and specialists that, I mean, I'm longer than my fucking arm, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and a backpack of medication. Right. And a back right. fucking pack of medication. And you weren't getting and, any better. No, it, and it wasn't nothing getting any better. And finally, I realized I went, I, I was like, I started really reaching. And I said, you know what, I'm going to try it acupuncture that was my first step outside the box i went right. to try nice. acupuncture and the lady said told me she says this voice your energy is really really low and i said i know they told me that i was dying because every system every system in my body was shutting down with the autoimmune 
issue. Mm-hmm. My pancreas, my my uh, kidneys, <laughs> my heart, everything was affected because of the cholesterol, everything was, was affected. And she said, my energy was really, I said, that's why I'm here. I need to figure out what to do. I can't afford to keep coming back. But when she said my energy was low, that kind of helped me a little bit. I said, energy low. And I knew I knew I was going down, but I didn't understand about energy then. I had no, had no idea what energy was other than saying, oh, they got, well, your vibe is off. You know, and I, I'm just right. saying it, but not really knowing what I was saying. I'm right, real. right. Not it. really knowing what I was saying. And it was one night I was so sick. I went, I, I couldn't walk and I was crawling to the bathroom and Sharente, my daughter, was trying to help me get to the bathroom. And I told her, no, God told me I was going to live. I got to get to this bathroom. And although I was sick, the whole time I was sick, I would get up and I get dressed just like this because I figured if I look good, I'm going to feel good. I want to go. I'm going to be dressed to go even if I don't get to go. And I would sit there and I got down <laughs> to 117 pounds. So I was oh, anorexic. My eyes were sucking in. I was ashen. Okay. I had acne. I had back me. I was like, back me? I ain't never had acne. You yeah. know, my hair was falling out. Oh my Jesus. But thank God for that, because I developed hair skin care that heals you, and I'm 60, hey. Yeah, I know. So. I was wondering how old you are. You got such a young spirit. It was easy to tell because uh, you said 40 years of counseling. I was like, man, I mean, she's definitely got to be in her 60s, or because yeah. you only get a counseling degree after uh, college. Wow. How did you manage? You had another near-death experience right after that, didn't you? Yes. And right after that, after that, she had told me about my energy, it kept getting lower and lower. And, I, and, I, and so I was, it got so bad that I couldn't breathe in the house. So I was sleeping on my friend's patio. I lost everything. I mean, when I say everything, I mean everything I'm saying, because I was trying to pay for it pay for the healthcare because right, lost right. all that too. I wasn't able to take care of business for myself. So I couldn't, I wasn't able to do anything. And then when my friend came out and, and he, he, he shook me, he said, you weren't breathing. And I'm just like, what? And he, I said, oh, I thought I was having a dream. And he said, and he asked me, well, what happened? And I told him where I went. <laughs> and he was, he looked at me like I was strange and I was like, okay. And so for the next three days, I was going in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And when I was going over, I was talking to people. I was talking, trying to figure out what's wrong me. What do I need to do? Help me, give me, tell me something. Because I knew that I was fighting. I was fighting to get back that time because my daughter was sick and she needed me because she was really sick. I mean, she was, she was just as sick as I was because every time she went, she had 17 hospitalizations and 12 surgeries from the time she was 15 to 18. Wow. Okay. So, yes. So I couldn't die. I couldn't die. There's no way. And that last time before, when I came back from that, because it was going in and out, and my my dad came to me. He says, Lois, fuck them damn doctors. That's how my dad (laughs) talks. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) That's how my dad talks, though. He's like, fuck them damn doctors. They don't know what the fuck they talking about. You go. He said, you should surely live and not die. Now, I thought that was strange because my daddy said the first part, but you should surely live and not die. That My daddy didn't talk like that. So I knew that I was going to live. And that same night, the next day, my sister called me and she said, Louis, the strangest thing happened. I, I had a dream of dad and dad said, you should surely live and not die. Okay, in the mouth of two or three witnesses everywhere should be established. So therefore, I said, okay, all right. 
And she got off the phone with her. And I told her about my dream too. I thought it was a dream. <laughs> but my friend kept coming out, checking my pulse. <laughs> and I'm like, am I dead yet? <laughs> <laughs> Oh and then I would wake up, I'm serious. I would wake up and I'm like, I'm alive. I'm serious. That's how, <laughs> that's how it was. And this happened like for, oh for it, it kept happening. It kept happening for about a, like three, two or three days. And after that third, damn, that's, oh, look at that. After that third day, things happened for me in threes. My goodness. Mm-hmm. That third day is when I got that message that I shouldn't. So when I came out, I, I said, okay, God. You said, I should surely live when I die. I said, God, if you tell me to go run, go in the middle of a busy intersection, strip butt naked and dance a jig, I will do it if that's what it takes me to get healed. The doctors gave up on me. Everybody's giving up on me. Nobody's here for me except this one person, you know, where I may be able to stay because you told him to, to do this for me. I said, if I should, you got to show me what's wrong with me because I don't know. After that prayer, <laughs> I was willing to do anything. I let go of everything I knew because I ain't no shit because everything I knew didn't work. Mm-hmm. It was then that I was talking to somebody and they said something about gluten. I was like, gluten, what's that? Then I was here, I heard something else and I heard something about gluten again. I'm like, what's that? And then the day after I heard that second gluten, <laughs> I was cooking Thanksgiving dinner and I always cook the big old spread and I, have a little stuff off to the side for us to eat before the dinner because we want to eat some of the food and I don't want to cook all day. So I would cook a little macaroni and cheese over here and the, the other turkeys that I'm going to make the dressing, you know, and I would have whatever. And me and my daughter, she had macaroni and cheese and I had stuffing. And by the time everybody started coming over, we were non-functioning. <laughs> we were non-functioning, my Jesus. I was so sick and she couldn't even get out the bed. And I was like, y'all going to have to do this. The food is there. Y'all heat it up. But, but I can't do it. Mm. And then I noticed that because we both were sick at the same time, I was like, what the hell? I had this and she had that. So I started looking at ingredients and I, I found that the different the ingredient that was similar was wheat. Yep. And then when I looked up, what does wheat do to people? Wheat is gluten. Oh, third time, gluten. And then I said, okay then I got to figure out what that means. And then we began, because I couldn't do it myself because I couldn't type, I couldn't, re- couldn't read, I couldn't do shit because I became dyslexic and everything. And I know why they said I was teaching to be retarded when I was a child. They didn't know how to deal with dyslexic kids, <laughs> okay? Because mm. <laughs> I became dyslexic, okay? And I couldn't read. I was seeing things backwards, put transposing numbers and all that other kind of stuff. And my daughter would read and I told her to put it on a PowerPoint and I had her put, Everybody in my family and the different, my mother, all the disease she had, my dad and my, my aunts, everything, my grandmas, what did they die of? Because everybody died at young ages to me, under 70, that's young. Okay? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, so I wanted to see what everybody had in common. And then we had two sick relatives. Well, one of my, one was my cousin and he was having similar reactions as I was. And they had him on a feeding tube because oh. he couldn't eat at all because he ate some cream of wheat. <laughs> And didn't know he was, that was part of his issue as to why he had been sick. I tried to help everybody when I would learn, because I put it on the PowerPoint and I sent it out to everybody in the family because everybody's diseases were under that gluten, that celiac umbrella, that we can't have gluten and all, everything that we were sick. So that part was the physiological part. And on the spiritual side of my sickness, 
was, like I was telling you, taking in the energy of other people's stuff and not being able to successfully get it all off. Because I thought I had a practice of getting the stuff off of me since I was a child. Okay, I would pray and get it off of me. But evidently, there were some things because they resonated with things that were in my Akasha within me. Hmm. They stayed in the crawl spaces. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the journey to my healing now, the, that, the last near-death experience, I got really good and I got down to where I, I, did, I was off the backpack of medication and I was on the own, like, I'm going to say a, a shaving bag. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a big accomplishment. And then yeah, I started sure. studying some more. I was like, I don't want even a shaving bag of, of stuff. But when I was testing, I, 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 I forgot this part. When I was testing, to see if the gluten theory was real. I fasted for three days. I, wow, I'm just hearing this now. I fasted <laughs> for three days. <laughs> and then I began introducing one food at a time from different genres. And I would only eat that one food and I would have a food meditation. Didn't know that what that was either. I called it, I could see what it is now, where I would take a bite and I would sit with it and I would see how it felt going in my mouth, did it mm. irritate my mouth, did it irritate my tongue or my throat? How does it feel going down? How does it feel when it hit the stomach? And I was doing that. I did that for about seven days. I didn't have no bread and stuff. So I'm, I'm doing good. I, I know macaroni got it. I know this has it. And then I made some salmon and I put teriyaki sauce on it. Oh my Jesus. It was like, oh my God. I swole and I was only 117 pounds, remember? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I looked like I was four months pregnant, six to eight pounds overnight because I kept a log because they were thinking I was crazy. Okay, that's why I went to the therapist. I, I checked myself back in therapy. They didn't have to send me because I'm thinking I was crazy too because I'm wondering why I'm doing everything they say I'm doing and I'm still sick. And it was when I fired everybody that my healing began. And the last near-death experience, that was- Hold, hold on I, one second. Okay. I just want to clear up that there's gluten in teriyaki sauce usually. So that's yes. why she was saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah? Just, okay. I'm because I, I know about gluten. I know where it might be hiding out and things like that, but other people don't really understand. And even just a little bit can um, really throw you off if you have an allergy, obviously. Yes. And, 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 and because I've been, I've been gluten-free now for 11 years, okay? And still- if it's cross-contaminated, <laughs> right now I'm on the swell right now. I'm at 145 and I'm usually at 139 because I've lost a few pounds since I got infected a couple of, about three weeks ago when I was in California. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like even the smallest minute amount affects me. Now, I'm, this that's what I want healing from. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, won't, I won't eat it again, but I want healing from having an effect if I just happen to glaze upon it. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. So and I believe and I believe that's possible because my eye doctor just told me I don't have glaucoma no more. Okay. So that's I'm believing this allergy shit is can go away because I still get the seasonal nasal allergies, but then I also right. found that my allergies are tied to my grief. Yes. And anger. Okay. The and, liver. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as and I noticed that because over this past year, like I said, my daughter died last March and it's, it's been just a little over a year since she left. And it, it's kind of like allergies have gone on crazy. OK, they've been going crazy. And, but I've been dealing. I've been sitting with the emotions. I've been dealing with it. I've been allowing. And then God I asked God when she first passed away. 
to allow me to grieve with grace because I know that's possible. And then he told me, remember the love. As long as you remember the love, you won't have sadness. Because see, I had it for 32 years and I had the, 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 the pleasure, the, oh my God, the privilege of raising such a beautiful soul, man. She, she, went, she was a world traveler and a writer and all that other kind of stuff. She was living her dream. And when we gave her a memorial, and it wasn't really a memorial, it was a, a, a going home celebration, okay? Return to love is what I called it. Everybody who left her a video just during COVID, because that's what she died of, complications to COVID. Everybody, there was not nobody, not one person who could say anything bad about her. And we had so many video tributes, we couldn't even show them all. We had to put, wow. on them, put them on the website saying how she didn't see the wheelchair. She didn't notice they were gay. She didn't pay attention to the language barriers in China or the custom barriers in, in, in Hong Kong. And it was from everybody because she traveled Germany. She went, she went everywhere, Italy, and she had friends. She, she, Brianna says she never met a stranger. Because she mentioned she knew you for her friend. And that's just how loving she was. So to me, I, I had a present and she's still with me and I still talk to her. She's with me right now as we sit here. She said, tell them about this. But um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, because she's got, you know, you forgot Germany. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, as long as as long as I don't say she's lost, she's not lost. Mm-hmm. If I said if they, if somebody, oh, I'm sorry for your loss, oh nope, she's not lost. Because as long as I know she's here, her energy is here with me and it's also in my Merkaba. And all I got to do to tap into her is go with meditation. The Merkaba is where I went when I died each time I died. And that last near-death experience was I was still having stomach problems with the gluten, not gluten, gluten, not gluten, swelling, and trying to find the right protocol to treat it because the doctor still... They don't know anything. The nutritionist didn't know anything. So I had to be my own doctor, my own nutritionist, read my own blood numbers and match. And I didn't know what I was reading, but I would match one to the other and then look it up and say, oh, okay, what, what foods do I need to eat to do that? What vitamins can I take? What herbs can help heal this? And eventually that shaving kit got down the real small to just a few and it was pain medicine. And the blood, when I get in pain, the, when I was getting in pain, I don't do it no more. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. When I was getting pain, the blood pressure would rise. And then mm. the stomach, and it was usually because I got infected in the stomach. And then you have, just like you got muscle memory, mm-hmm. you got a physical illness memory in your body, how your body responds to stress. And if it responds to stress by making you sick and you feel it in your body, and as soon as you get that same type of stress, your body will kick that back in. Okay, so you have to tell everybody, hey, no, I got this now. I got a new way to deal with this. It's like, yeah, you got to yeah. be your own share, but you got to be conscious enough and dealing with whatever you're dealing with, not being quick to go grab something, you know, say, oh, I got to go get a pain medicine. I got to go get this. I got to get that. But I will say this, CBD and medical marijuana saved my life because I was able to get off all of that damn Percocet and Oxy, whatever. Yeah, chemical stuff. No, all that chemical stuff and be able to treat naturally. Now I take medicine for the seasonal allergy stuff and for my stomach when it hurts, but mostly I take herbs and vitamins and I'm 100% healthy now. But that last near-death experience is when my colon sucked itself inside itself. It's called intersecession of the colon. And I was like, what the hell is that? So, of course, after I got to the hospital, I looked it up. 
<laughs> and it's, it's where your colon is your colon. And it's supposed to be like this and all like this, but it but then, then it stuck inside itself and then it blocked everything. Oh, so wow. within six hours, within six hours, and that was in me again. <laughs> I was gone again. So, and that one, that was the one that was the turning point. And that was in 2017. That was a turning point to where I am right now. Because in that 2000, on my, on my Instagram, there's the surgical scars. You can see the staples in my stomach and everything. And then you can see how my oil healed it. <laughs> because you can't even tell I had staples in my stomach now. But the whole thing is that doing that one, I was on a table. I was waiting to go into the operating room because they were trying to figure out what was wrong with me. But they had me in the, in the waiting room for a long time. And they had been giving me medicine or whatever. And the pain was so excruciating. I don't know what happened. And one minute I was there, the next minute I'm hearing the doctor say, we need to get her the surgery right away. And the nurse saying, I can't get her EKG. And then I look at my daughter starting to cry because she knows what EKG, bless your heart. Mm-hmm. And I see myself looking at myself and I'm like, oh, and that, so I go ahead and go because I didn't want to be back in there right now because that body hurt. Right. <laughs> so I was and I was right there. My brother was there. So my brother who had died like about seven, eight years before, his death was always a mystery. And it was like a lot of suspicion around his death and how he died. And we didn't know. And I said, well, how did you, I, wait, I'm going to take me back up. This time I went into this light and all I felt was love vibrating all through. I mean, I could feel the love in my fingernails, man. It was like, you know, it was, the energy was so pure and so, my God, and it was so bright. And then I was like, oh my God, this feels so good. I never felt like this, but I felt myself floating and I looked down and it was me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm energy. I'm love energy. Oh my God. Now I had never heard nobody talk about love energy. Mm. Everything I learned, I learned experientially. Okay. Now I find out there's NDEs, there's, you know, <laughs> astral projection, there's this, that. I'm thinking, okay, I knew about that. Okay, I know that. But I didn't know it because I went out looking for it. I know it because these are the things God used to take me to this healing. Mm-hmm. And when I created, I was energy and over and I was talking to my brother and I was talking to my, my fiance who had passed away. Like I said, I had a conversation and then it was gone. Okay. I talked to him and I talked to my brother and I said, you know, I asked my brother, I said, friend, how did you get here? He said, the same way you just got here. He said, I couldn't take the pain in my body anymore. So I left. Mm. And I said, what? And I looked over and I saw me and I jumped back in <laughs> and immediately started throwing up. Okay. So evidently, they must have been gave me was too much. I'm guessing that. And I began to throw up and my daughter said, she's here. She's back. And then they were, and when I came to, then I passed out. When I came to again, I was in the pre-op room and the anesthesiologist was saying, well, do you know who you are? And I, is your name? And I told him what my name was. And then he says, oh, do you have any loose tooth? Me? I said, yeah, I got a couple of loose tooth. And I was on a lot of drugs. <laughs> he says, well, we're going to have to extend a tube. We may, may break a tooth or whatever. I said, my life of my tooth for 5000 that's my life. <laughs> and then they started laughing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And I didn't think of else. Then I was out. I didn't know anything else. Then the next the next day I woke up. I woke up and I was just laying in the bed. And I, I was crazy. I was comical. When I broke my arm, I laughed, I laughed too. <laughs> but when I came to and the doctor came to see me and he said, Well, I'm gonna see how you doing. And he said, So you chose you chose your life for five thousand? 
<laughs> he said, but my name ain't Alex. <laughs> but what? Say that again. <laughs> I said, because he basically said my teeth are my life. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I said, I'll take my life for 5,000 Alex. Like yes. Alex Trebek. Alex, okay. okay. Right. So the doctor says, so you chose your life for 5,000. And, but my name ain't Alex. And then I started laughing. So he's oh, looking I at this, okay. this. Yeah. So he's looking at the staples in my stomach and it was hurting really bad. And I was like, who the hell's idea was to put staples in a human being? And he says, you are so damn comical. And that's how he said, you are so comical. He said, most people be sitting there, give me more drugs. <laughs> you make jokes. Now, I, hell, I don't know. That's, that was my, which kind of post anesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> and aesthetic things. Some people get combative. Okay. Right. I've yeah. Seen no, it. I know. Yeah. Some people get combative, but I get, uh, I mean, turn into a natural comedian or something. It's yeah. like, wow. <laughs> but yeah. But it was that one that brought me to where I am now because when I came out of that one, I already knew how to meditate. So I started going in my meditation and asking for Albert Einstein because I know he could eat MC square, whatever that is. Okay? Yeah. Right. 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 MC square. Okay. That's all I, I that's all I knew about energy at that time was he whatever he said. And I didn't know I, I said I never studied astrophysics, never studied any of that. And so I went into my meditation and I said, I need to understand the energy. I need to understand. And I asked for Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> You're not taking from anybody, you just you need Albert. <laughs> Girl, I asked for the top gastroenterologist, okay, too, because I needed healing. Whatever I needed, I would go in there and I would imagine them feeding me the information or doing the surgery or removing the stuff. And when I was waking, I would say things, I would use my, my power of affirmation. I would say, no matter how I feel, I'm totally healed. No matter how I feel, I'm totally healed. And that was my main one because, like I said, I was in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And it got it got to the point where, you know, I didn't have to say that so much. And then I started saying something different as far as growing, because I loved, I loved reading and, and it made me when I found out about the energy, it was like I went. I started going down rabbit holes. That's what I call them, mm-hmm. rabbit holes. And I'm when I'm that person. I'm not like Alice in Wonderland, um, where she goes down there and she starts fucking everybody's shit. I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I just mess with my own. So I go down the rabbit hole, and it leads me to another rabbit. And then there's some bunnies. So I grab bunnies and I shake them damn bunnies so they produce more. <laughs> so they produce more. And, I, I, and then when I'm full, I come back out. And then I use that knowledge and that, that what I learned from shaking all them bunnies, okay, for what they had for me. And then I start living it. I start living the things. I do affirmations. Uh, look, look up energy medicine. Understand what 3333 means. Understand what the numbers are. Understand what the astronomy and astrology. Understand. And so I would come out and I would study it and I'd find out and then I'd use what I learned. And it's to the point now, like I said, I just went to the doctor yesterday for my physical. And so for everything's coming to me. I'm, I was good yesterday. We're going to do blood tests and I'm going to do a thing and then I'm going to find out again. But it's been two years since I've been there. So I, I just want to know my numbers because yeah. last time the doctor said, see you next year, three years ago. And I was like, huh? I had never heard see you next year for about 20 something years. See you next year. Wow. That was like, I celebrated. I celebrated. So now yeah, I'm at the place good. where I know how to raise my vibration. Whenever I know, I know how the power of your words, I know the energy of the words, I know the energy in the body and that tapping certain areas it helps that energy to flow. I know, girl, I, I you t- self-hypnosis, 
<laughs> whatever, whatever genre I needed to go down, whatever rabbit hole I needed to go down. And then I found out, that's when I found out that everything works together. Everything was interconnected. Then I went out of the rabbit hole and said, okay, if everything is interconnected and there's vibration and there's energy, what does this all mean? Oh, there's 12 laws of the universe. Let me find what that is. Okay. And then, okay, now you need to live within these 12 laws. Understanding these 12 laws, you should not have any, any issue because you'll be able to just flow with it. So that's where I'm at. I'm in flow, girlfriend. <laughs> I love so. it. You definitely are. I, I just love talking to you and all your energy and your experience is just amazing. And how, like I said, you have a childlike spirit about it all and uh, laugh about it. And we were, that's one thing we were talking about on uh, Einstein, or wisdom app, which has Einstein on it, which is what drew, drew me to it. And I'm sure probably you then, since you were like, wow, I need to talk to Albert Einstein. <laughs> And no, it took three times. My daughter said, Mom, it's this app. You need to come on it because you'll find your people. There ain't no app gonna make me find no damn people. That's all I said. She came to me again. Mom, I'm serious. You you gotta come. Just just listen. Just listen, mom. Just listen. I'm sure they get away. Go on with me with that damn shit. And then something inside me said, Why are you pushing her away? So she came back the third time and I said, if she comes back, I said, but I didn't listen to her. So I said, if she comes back a third time, okay, I will do it. She came back an hour later. Mom, you need to go on there. And I downloaded the app and went on. Uh, I had promised my daughter before she had died because we had both said we were going to get out more because we were protective of our energy and being around a lot of different people. And I was, I, I was healed, but she said, since you're healed, you need to go and tell your story. You need to start talking about it. Mom, mm. you can help a lot of people if you talk about your story. And I said, well, you need to tell people your story, too. And you need to get out there and start dating and doing what you got to do. Okay? And so we made a pact. Couldn't keep hers, but, you know, I'm here to keep mine. And, 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 it's, and it's, it's just like when I got on the Wisdom app, it was as if I found my home. I finally found people who thought like I did, who... But not, it's not everybody. It's not everybody, but right, right, who sure. I can tune into that vibration with, and we can talk about stuff that concerns me. Because I, I mean, honestly, I like to look good, but I don't want to hear shit about what's the latest shoe or what's the latest purse or, right, or who's right. doing what to who or what celebrity slap. What cele- I, I don't need to hear all that crap. Right, you know, yeah. my thing is because that's that's not what's important. What's right. important is how are you growing. How you doing today? You know, how many people you make smile today just by you being you? That's what's important to me. And because if I'm this love being, I, it's like people say you got to feel love. You got to return. No, you are a love light being. Every, every human being is a love light being. And anything that I can do, you can do better. Because <laughs> Jesus said, because I go away, whatever, 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 you can do better. You're going to do greater things than he did if you're a Christian and you're listening to this. But if you're not, anything I can do, you can do better. The thing is, is that he died once. <laughs> he died, damn it. <laughs> and in between that, I had three strokes. You're an overachiever. Not, <laughs> always consummate. But it's not about overachieving. It's, it's about presenting my best self, being my best self doing my best. I never, I've never was in competition with anybody. I was never trying to look like anybody. I was never trying to be like anybody. I told you I was a chameleon uh, where I could go in anywhere being me. So why would I 
take on what they said. I listened to what they said and they got me sicker and sicker and sicker. Okay, so I had to get into where it was a decision to take everything that I did for everybody else for all them 40 some years and turn it inside myself. Okay. And when I did that, I was like, oh, that's what the people would say. Oh, Lord, you changed my life. And I would get that all the time, you know, with my clients. And it's like, my marriage, there were people that had marriages where they both just split up. She with another woman. He with her best friend. Okay. Yet, when I finished with them, they realized that they was doing And they got recommitted. During the time I was sick, I couldn't go to the wedding because I was too sick. But they contacted me even off work to find me. They found people to find me, let me know that they're, they're recommitting and they had just bought another house and, oh, and they wow. were coming back together. It wasn't them that came to me. It was their child because she was drug addicted. Oh, wow. Okay. This is a family system thing. The child was right. just the symptom. Mm-hmm. They had the problem. The child just brought the, the problem to light. Right. Okay. Just like when people come to us, and they talking crazy to us and we feel some type of way, they're just bringing our darkness to light. They're mm. bringing something that we're feeling about ourselves and how we see ourselves to us, mm. okay, when they're doing that. Because if somebody comes and starts judging me, I straight up drop and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. The whole part upon a prayer mm-hmm. because that's that may be something in me. And if I find that, oh, no, that's something I cleaned up already, I can have compassion for them because they're just projecting that from where they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, because we're energy and we're like magnets and like energy drawn to like energy. So I would say anybody trying to get in a relationship, do not do so if you know your body is off. And I don't even leave my house if I'm in a halt state. I call <laughs> a halt a Hulk, state. Hulk state? Halt. H-A-L-T. Oh, a halt. Okay. Well, okay. it's H-H-H-A-L-T-T. It's the acronym. That's horny hormonal. I mean, I've got to keep forgetting. Oh my God. Horny, horny, hormonal, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or thirsty. My daughter added the thirsty. She said that's when people are just trying to get whatever they can get from wherever, mm. <laughs> and, which is different than the horny. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and then if you look at what all these things had in common, they were low energy states. Mm. So when you go out in a low energy state, like energy attract like energy. And a lot of people meet people in their low state because they lonely, because they just missing somebody, because all that foo-foo stuff. I'd rather be with the woo-woo stuff and take stay my ass at home, keep my negative energy to myself. And I didn't realize I was doing that when I was raising my kids. And raising my kids, I took more time out, and it was for me. I go in my room, close the door. I may cry in there. I may laugh in there because they did something that was so stupid and so, <laughs> oh my God, that I want to I get on the phone. And I may be laughing. Other times I may be crying. Other times I'm so angry and I'm trying to figure out, okay, God, calm me down. I can't do this. I do not want to abuse them. There is no way. The stakes are too high. I don't want them in therapy. Right. Okay. I don't want them in therapy. So Lois gave Lois time out. Sometimes Lois time out lasts an hour. Like five, <laughs> sometimes it lasts five minutes. Sometimes it lasts hours. Sometimes it lasted for the rest of the night. And they knew not to knock on that door and leave me be. And they would have to sit with whatever it was. And then I would ask them, what do they think the consequences? And I didn't give them consequences. They gave themselves consequences. Sometimes they were way worse consequences than I would have gave myself. And I would say, no, I think I'll do this. One daughter, she hurt the consequences of her. I need to write an essay on how I can make better choices. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do it. Go for it. Another another one says, I can't handle ice cream for the next two times you bring it in the house. Oh wow. Do it. I mean, she was a sugar sugar addict. Okay. That's yeah. a, that my Sorrente. She's doing good now. And then the other one said, I should be grounded for a month and and no TV. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh my Jesus, but I couldn't laugh. I couldn't right. laugh. I couldn't do all this. See, yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the fun about being retired and being, I'm mm. free to be me, okay? I don't have to put up no pretense. I don't have to put up no walls. And now if my kids say something stupid, I'm like, you know, <laughs> and then they, tell, they would tell me that, mom, you raise an eyebrow, when, one eyebrow when you get mad and one eyebrow when you're saying, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so my thing is, is that, when you realize who you are and at your core, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing my mother told me when I was seven, when they said I was agently retarded. Okay. And I would never learn to read or write. And since I was a cute little girl, I'm not, she might as well groom me to be at somebody's housewife. Oh, wow. Okay. And my mother cussed him out <laughs> because I had that kind of mother that mm-hmm. was before the drugs. She was the kind of mother that would fight for you. She was there. So I had, I had a mixed bag of chicks because because I'm not going to diagnose my mother, but she could have qualified as one of them depressive types of disorders because when it was good, it was very, very good. And when it was bad, it was awful. And she would go up and down and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't like labels. So right. she, she just, and she called herself, she said, I'm an emotional cripple. I don't want you to be like me. Don't, don't do this. And she was always helping people. And I said, well, mom, I'm going to do it anyway because I love helping people because I love people. And she said, you love them too much. And I said, no, you can't love too much. And then I said, well, I'm going to get paid to do it. And that way, I don't have no hard feelings. (laughs) (laughs) So, And it's funny that I said that because for the last, since I've been sick, I have not stopped. Because this is who I am. Mm -hmm. I didn't stop. I mean, anywhere I go, even when at my sickness where I'm barely holding myself up and they saying, good night, can we give you a hand? I'm inspiring them. What the hell? But that's just me because I learned that. And I told this to my daughter the night before she died. I said, well, when you're feeling really, really bad, you see somebody else who may be feeling bad and you can shine your light on their path. You shine your light on their path. It illuminates their path and your path. And it allows them to see that there, there is some light. And then you guys walk together hand in hand in light until you guys realize that you are the light. And the next day she dies. So God, she had me write that down. And then she says, mom, you walked me into the light. Mm. So I had the privilege of doing that too. So it's like, I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful and so joyful. And it's like, I want everybody to know the freedom it is in just being you a hundred percent. When you got it, whether your mom says that those the F bombs or the shit bombs or whatever, because if the whole thing is, I feel like this shit is fertilizing. Okay. All the shit you think you done went through and all the shit you done took and all the shit that been slung at you. Hell, bury yourself in that shit. Go deep mm-hmm. and grow. Because that's what it's there for. It's fertilizer for your growth. The growth. It's 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 kind of like everything is here for our good. Everything is needful. Everything is useful but sometimes you can't use everything okay so you need that shit (laughs) because without the fertilizer you don't get your grass green you don't get your your crops to grow you don't get shit 
the shit. And right. it's like, if yeah. you want, if you really want something, you got to dig deep. It's mm-hmm. like a skyscraper. They got to dig. De- I think it was twice as twice as deep to go twice as high. I mean, you know what I'm saying? To go up right, high. Right, right, right. Yeah, so yeah. you, you got to dig deep in, yeah. into the dirt. The dirt is icky and mucky. And when you look around, it's dirty. But you got to concentrate on what you're building. Right, a skyscraper. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. the big old tree, you're digging your roots in and mm-hmm. you're finding out about the earth. You find out about all this stuff, figure out who you are in relationship to everybody else. And the thing is, when you do that, you find out nothing is being done to you. It's either being done through you or for you. Yep. Because it ain't what happens to you. That's just to tell you, okay, you got something, you got something to do. You got a job to do right here, right now, either you're going to examine it and clean not clean out your closet as, as R. Kelly said, clean out your closet or as the mirror, dirty mirror in the, in the Bible, the brass, and you see not don't see clear. And when you see that the other is you and that what you see, what you think they're doing to you, you actually do it to you. Like I said, the 12 universal laws, y'all study them. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, no, we but need to yes. talk about that on the podcast. Yeah. That's uh, Lois, you are a wealth of information. And obviously you can see why spirit wanted this to be about come as you are, that you are beautiful at projecting who you are with no apology. You're a beautiful soul with so much information and light and information to help us transform and grow and heal. And uh, I've loved talking to you and you can catch her on uh, Facebook and Instagram on wings, LLC one, 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 and then Twitter. You can find her on wings, beauty life. And her website is www.neon.ly slash wings, LLC. So you can find out more and she's on wisdom app. We have had a couple of conversations and She's definitely great to follow. You're always popping on and sharing your wisdom. I love it. Every time I see your name pop up on my phone that says that you've joined a conversation or you started a conversation or whatever, I'm always like, oh, there, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I, I look at this because sometimes I, I go on and do my own talk. Sometimes I do everything by inspiration, universal law by inspiration. If it's not, if I'm not inspired to go on there or inspired to do a post or inspired to do something, I don't do it. I got to even be inspired to go in his refrigerator and give me something to eat and, sit and ask, what do I eat? I had to figure out, God, what do I, what do you want me to wear? I don't want to wear something that's offensive. You just tell me what to wear. I, you know what I'm saying? So every day about everything, about mm-hmm. every time, that's like praying unceasingly because that's how I got well, by line upon line, step by step, precept upon precept. It, it's, and then because all this is in my collective, it's easy to pull that information. It's when you're pulling it from you, from the inside, because you got a whole universe inside. We can talk about that one too, but you, you got a whole universe inside and, and we don't know about ourselves. We can't grow. I so, love how much you, you fought to be here and share everything because sometimes people just walk through life unconscious and taking for granted the fact that they have this body that functions. And here you are year after year, near death after near death fighting to stay here and share your light. I love it. It's so beautiful. Thank you for having me, Amy. This was a whole lot of fun. Thanks for being here. You're amazing. (music) 
All content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show website or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.